nothing can cause fear and anger than God's call to personal holiness. We don't like to think about living a holy life. That runs counter to our nature. By nature, we live unholy lives. If we followed all of our impulses and our natural desires, we would never live or choose a holy lifestyle. We just wouldn't. I remember as a youngster growing up, one of the consistent questions of young people of my age was, can I do this and still be a Christian? Can I do this and still be a Christian? And the list would go on and on and on and on and on. What were they saying? What they meant by that was they didn't really want to live a holy lifestyle. They wanted to live as they pleased in any fashion they chose and still call themselves a Christian. That runs absolutely contrary to God's demands upon us as his creation. God calls us to holiness. On the eve of his crucifixion, after supper, the Lord Jesus gave a lengthy message to his disciples. It covers four chapters in the Gospel of John. He covers such things as his parting. I'm going to leave you. Where I go, you cannot come. Someday you will join me, but I'm going to leave. When he told them of his departure, he promised them, I will, however, send to you another comforter. I will send you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will indwell you, will live within you. And if you love me and you love the Father, we will come and we will take up a residence within you. And he spoke of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit would do in the lives of his followers. He spoke about prayer. Several times in those four chapters he spoke about prayer. And how they would call upon the Father. How he would hear them and he would answer. He closes it with a prayer himself. Praying on behalf of his followers. Praying for his disciples. And included in that prayer were you and me. Because he said, not only do I pray for these, Father, who are right here, but I pray for those who will believe you and me upon what they say. That's us. Those of us who trust Christ today, we trust because of what they have said about Jesus. And what Jesus did in their lives. And Jesus prayed for us. He prayed an interesting prayer. I won't go through all of the prayer this morning, obviously. It would take a great deal of time to do that. I only want to look at one part of that prayer that deals with his desire for us to live and walk in holiness. 
And we read it in John chapter 17. If you have scriptures and you want to turn there, that's where I will read. John chapter 17, and I'll start reading with verse number 15. It'll sound a little strange to you because he has been praying prior to these verses. And he's been praying for his disciples and praying for us. And so in a sense we will interrupt his prayer. So it may sound a little strange, but I will read a couple of verses before the ones I want us to examine today. So I'll start reading in verse number 15 of John 17. And we read this, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now here's the part of the prayer that I want us to consider this morning. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. We don't use in our everyday language that word sanctify very often, do we? That's kind of a Bible word that we only find usually in the Bible. And so I want to take just a moment and explain that word and define it so you have some grasp of the meaning of that word. That word means to consecrate, to set aside, to set apart, to separate. Holy. Holy is that which has been set aside. That which has been separated from something. It is holy. It is consecrated. It is sanctified. Jesus prayed for his disciples that the Father would sanctify them, set them aside, separate them from all that was unholy to make them holy. And he prayed that it would occur in the truth. Jesus even went so far as to say, I will separate myself. I will sanctify myself. I will set myself aside unto God so that they might become consecrated, sanctified, separated, set aside, holy. This did not come as a new message from God. God started it in the Garden of Eden when he first created Adam and Eve. Recall how he created them? Upright, righteous, sinless, without error. And they walked in holiness and righteousness. We don't know for how long, but until they yielded to the temptation of the serpent to disobey God, they walked in holiness. That was God's design. That was His purpose and plan. That they walk and live in holiness and extend that throughout all of the earth. After they sinned, God made a promise 
that he would send the seed of the woman who would come and crush the evil one. For what purpose? Ultimately that his creation might be separated from that which is evil and walk in that which is holy. We come across in our scripture as we progress through the Bible to Abraham. And God chose out Abraham that through his seed he might begin his plan of redemption. And he promised through Abraham that his seed would be the one who would bless all the nations of the earth. At first we don't really understand who he could mean by his seed. Farther on as we read through the scriptures and God progressively reveals more of his plan, we come to Mount Sinai, the children of Israel. The sons of Abraham have grown into millions of people now. At the foot of Mount Sinai, God gives to them a command. And he said, I want you to be a holy nation. An example to all of the nations throughout all the earth. I will bless them through your holy living. And then he gave them the law that they might understand God's definition of holiness. And God provided for them a means by which they could obtain atonement and forgiveness for their sins when they violated that law. Further on in the progress of God's revelation of His plan, He made another promise. And He said, I will make a new covenant with you. Not like the old covenant. The old covenant that he gave at Mount Sinai depended upon human effort. Purifying our own hearts. Walking upright before God. We couldn't do it. They failed. And failed miserably. And so he made another promise to them and said, I will make a new covenant. Not like that one. This new covenant, I will come and I will place my spirit within you. And I will give to you a new heart, not like the old one. Oh, we know what the old heart is like, don't we? said, I'll give you a new heart. And I will put my spirit within you and my spirit will make you walk after my law and obey me. And you will walk in holiness. And all of the nations of the earth will see you and will observe your holy living. We come to John 17. And we encounter that same message. This time proclaimed by the seed of the woman that God had promised to Adam and Eve. And that he had promised to Abraham. That he had promised to Moses and to the children of Israel throughout their centuries of the Messiah, the one who would come. It spoke of Jesus and described Him who came and fulfilled all of those prophecies right to the minutest detail. And He came now on the eve of His sacrifice in payment for the sin 
penalty of people like you and me. He reminds them of his call. Father, make them holy. Set them aside. Separate them from all of the world's temptations and devices. Separate them from that. Set them aside unto you that they might walk and live in holiness. And Jesus, in a hint here that his disciples did not understand at the time, he said, I will even separate myself so that they might be made holy. He spoke of what would occur on the next day for him. The cross on which he suffered the death penalty that you and I deserve to pay. Suffered it for people like you and like me. Why? That we might become holy. That we might walk in holiness, separated from the world, set aside unto God, consecrated to Him, holy. Well, how does it work? How does that come into our everyday experience? Okay, you might say, I heard you. God says I must live a holy lifestyle. How do I do that? How do I accomplish that and experience that in my own life? How does that come into being? We can see from our verses how that comes into being. Jesus prayed for you. That the Father would work in your life and set you aside. Sanctify you. Separate you from all unholiness and all of the wickedness and evil of this present world and of our own natural desires and inclinations. And then Jesus... He said, I will separate myself so that they might be separated and sanctified. And that through my death they might obtain life. And then I will remind you of some of the things that Jesus taught his disciples about the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit would work in them. I already mentioned from the Old Testament. The promise that God made I will send my spirit and he will come and he will take up residence within you and he will make you walk after my law the spirit of God will work in you so that you will walk in obedience so that you will walk in holiness so that you will separate yourself from all evil and as part of this message that covers four chapters in John the Lord Jesus described to his disciples the work of the Holy Spirit first of all he told them he would come and then he told them he would come and he would live within you he would be a comforter to you and then he says this spirit is called the spirit of truth and he will guide you into the truth he will open your eyes to see and to understand the truth and you will be sanctified in the truth the truth will set you free The truth will help you separate from all evil and wickedness and walk in holiness. And the Spirit of God will enable you to do that. God promised 
He sent Him to do that in your life and in my life. So that Jesus prayed that the Father would sanctify us, separate us, make us holy. Jesus set Himself aside and assumed the sacrifice on behalf of people like you and me that we might obtain holiness through Him. He gave us the Spirit of God to live within us. And the Father and the Son, together with the Spirit, take up residence within us that they might enable us, empower us to discern between right and wrong, truth and error. Enable us to set aside and reject and have an attitude of intolerance towards evil and actually war against it. Choosing to walk after righteousness. The Spirit of God brings that all into fruition in our lives and enables us to walk in holiness. Because of what the Father has done and what the Son has done, we must walk in holiness. Separated unto God Enabled by the Holy Spirit. Now therefore, what must we do? How must we respond to the truth of God's word and his call and demand upon our lives? We can't even begin to live a holy lifestyle until we come to Christ. If you have never come to Christ... You cannot live a holy lifestyle. You can't do it on your own. You will fail. And in fact, if you look at yourself honestly and have tried to do that, you know your own failure. I don't tell you anything new. I simply remind you of the reality of your condition before God. You have failed. You must come to Christ. Jesus made it simple. He made it so simple that even a child can believe. I came to Christ as a child, a young child. Perhaps you came to Christ as a child as well, maybe later in life. Maybe you've never come to Christ. Make today the day that you come fleeing to Christ. Only He can enable you to become holy. He just said simply repent and believe the gospel. Turn from your sin. Turn from your wickedness. Turn from your self-reliance. Turn from your self-righteousness. Turn from your good works. They will do you no good. I remember a time in our lives when we faced some legal difficulties and had to go to court. And initially, because we were short on money, I did it myself. I spent hours at the local law school library researching our our case and the and the pertinent issues relating to our case. and 
I remember coming before the court and attempting to defend our position as best I could. And some questions arose during those proceedings that I couldn't answer. And so I wrote a letter to the judge. Dear Honorable Judge, I have some questions about the proceedings in our court case. And I laid out the questions. I would appreciate some information as to how I can deal with these issues. She wrote back a very nice letter, very simply stated, get an attorney. Get an attorney. Get an advocate. Get someone who knows the law, who can defend you. I did. And he did. He defended us well and protected us from danger and harm. We understand that. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. He is your spiritual attorney. He is your spiritual advocate with the Father before whom you must stand someday. And He will say to you, Remember my demand of holiness? How did you measure up? Jesus, you're my attorney. Defend me. Jesus made it simple. Use everyday kinds of illustrations that we might understand. Repent. Turn from dependence upon yourself. There is great truth in that statement. A person who has himself for an attorney has a fool for a counselor. That is true in our everyday law. It is even more so before the final judge. If you attempt to stand before him as your own attorney, you have a fool for a counselor. Come to Jesus. Trust him. Cast your case upon him. Turn from your self-reliance and your self-righteousness and trust Christ, his provision on behalf of people like you and me. A substitute. More than just an advocate. More than just a defense attorney. A substitute who actually paid the penalty that you owe. He paid it so that you no longer have to pay it. It becomes yours by trusting Him and accepting His work on your behalf. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. I trust you. We must trust the Father to separate us. And we must trust the work of the Spirit of God who in us, works in us, to conform us to the very image of Christ himself. God promised in the Old Testament. Jesus promised in the New, just prior to his crucifixion. The work of the Spirit of God in the lives of those who trust Christ. What must we do? Come to Christ. What must we do? Trust Christ. What must we do? 
rely upon the work of the Spirit of God to enable us to walk in accordance to God's demands, yielding to Him, resting upon Him, trusting Him to perform in our lives that which we cannot do. That you and I might honor and glorify the Father and the Son walking in holiness. I pray that the Spirit of God will come to you today and work in you drawing you to Christ drawing you to trust Him drawing you to rest upon the Spirit of God to enable you to fulfill God's righteous demands. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your wondrous provision for sinners like us. Thank you for the gift of your Son, whom you sent, whom you set aside and consecrated to fulfill your will and work on our behalf on behalf of sinners like us thank you Jesus for your obedience thank you for your love thank you for fulfilling on our behalf that which we could not do I pray for those listening to this message that by your Spirit you would draw them to Jesus. That by your Spirit you would sanctify them, set them aside, separate them from all that is evil, and work in them an ever-progressing holy walk with you by the work of your Holy Spirit. And Father, I will give to you and to your Son, and to the Holy Spirit, honor, glory, and praise for what you accomplish in our lives. For I ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen.